All right. Woo! I'm here. I was jamming to that music. It's like pretty cool, right? It's pretty fly. I like that new intro thing you got going on. Well, I'm Danielle, and I um, have the privilege of being the community pastor at Epoisai. I must say, it's really great to be here. It's great to join in on your family. This is a hilarious experience, though, because y'all are wearing sunglasses. And if I stand over here, is it helpful or less helpful? So it's better when I stand this way? If I went and stood over there, that would be better, right? Yeah. I mean, I could do that. I don't know. That might throw the screens off a little bit. The sound guy's like, no, don't do that. Anyway, well, thank you for having me, and um, I love your pastors. They're really awesome. If you haven't had the chance, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I love them because they're just authentically them. And whenever people can be authentically them, you know it's because they understand who they are in Christ, and that's a beautiful thing. We're going to talk a little bit about that today, actually. But So we've been in the series, Never Forget. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying to get over the sunglass thing. It's really awesome. You know what I love about this venue? Like, you don't have to go to the club to meet people, right? Because you're always scared when the lights come on at the end. Like, is it really what I thought it was? Just come to church today. You can see it. It's all right here. I should have worn my HD makeup or something. I don't know. So we've been in the series looking into a deep dive in Psalm 103. And Andy, I think, was here with you last week. And she was talking about redemption and how, because we're redeemed, we're given a seat at the table. And because of that, we can receive all the benefits that are ours. And that's what this whole series is about. It's about remembering the benefits. Never forget all the benefits that you have in Christ. And so that's why we sing, actually. That's why we sing worship songs. Because we're singing the truth of God over our hearts over and over again. But singing is not the only way we, we pray. That's another way that we are reminded of the benefits of God and also Scripture. We read scripture over ourselves, and that is a reminder too. So I'm actually going to read some scripture over you. I'm going to read Psalm 103, and it will be on the screen, so you can read it. You can read along in your Bible. I'm going to be in the NLT translation, or you can close your eyes and just listen to the scripture wash over you if you'd like. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone, as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever, and those who fear him, his salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant and to those who obey his commands. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. 
From there, he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all of his kingdom. Let all that I am praise the Lord. Father, we are grateful that your word is true and that it can be transforming in our lives when we accept it and receive it as true for us. So I pray, Father, as we spend time learning about you as our father and family, that our hearts would be open to maybe seeing you in a fresh new way. That if there is a, a tainted view or a, a lie that we have been believing about who you are, about who we are, that your Holy Spirit would change that and replace it with truth, Father. May your spirit be with us. In your name we pray. Amen. So by a show of hands in here, who would identify yourself as a crier? Like, you cry pretty easily. Yeah? Not too bad. Not too bad. Like, you have a hard time getting... Some of you are like, I'm going to... It's true, but I'm going to... You have a hard time getting through a whole sentence without misting up, right? That, that's you. You just kind of come out. Yeah, it's all right. I'm convinced, though, that you guys make the best friends because you're so compassionate. Like, your friends know that you deeply care for them because when they're telling you a story, like, you're right there in there with them. You're, like, feeling all the emotions. And I'm not really a crier. I, I don't really know why I've always been that way. I have deep feelings. They just don't mist out my turducks. It's, it's not how I show my emotions. But there is one thing that always gets me to cry. Movies and commercials. I don't really know why, right? It happens so fast, but they almost get me every time. I was flipping through Instagram the other day, and you know how they're always trying to you know, sell stuff to you. And there was this ad that came up, and it was for this new app that you can use to find your lost dog. It's like find spot or something. I don't even know. Never heard of it before. That's why they do ads. But there was this whole scene of a dog like running across the thing to its owner and happiness on its face. And then the owner gets the dog and jumps up and down. And she's clearly like elated to be reunited. It was this whole scene. I started crying. I really don't even know why. My husband walked in the room and I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, wait a minute, Instagram and crying. I don't really know. I have no idea. But there's something about that experience because what I think it is, is that it hits you all at one time. You know, it's like it's designed to hit all your emotions like a roller coaster and then just like floods over you. But when you're in real life situations, you kind of have time to adjust to it, right? You got time to process your emotions. You kind of put your emotions in appropriate places. But in a commercial or a movie, no, it's just like, bam, 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 real life's getting you. And the ones that get me the most are the ones that have to do with father-daughter scenes. Really, parent-child scenes altogether, but I guess maybe because I'm a girl, I love my dad. Father-daughter scenes, man, they just like, they get me right there. They can be representing the good, the bad, it doesn't matter. It moves me. And I think what's so genius about commercials and about movies, whether it's 30 seconds or hours, they're hitting on is the common human experience. The thing that we all know. And that's we're made to live in relationships. We're made to be valued. We're made to be loved. We know we are meant to be cared for. And when we see that demonstrated in a commercial or a movie, it's like our heart resonates and says, yes, yes, that's it. So we have these common things we need, security, love, belonging, and value. And I think the psalmist is referencing this in verse 13 when he says, the Lord is like a father to his children 
tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Tender and compassionate. Hmm. Maybe that's not the first thing you think of when you think of Father. I'm sure in a room this size, we have a multitude of experiences that make up our context of what Father might be. Maybe you see him as a strict disciplinarian, or maybe you see him as distant and removed, possibly absent, or maybe just careless. Maybe you've had a good relationship with Father, or maybe not so good. Or maybe you don't have much of a memory of having one at all. Maybe you've lost your father, or there's some deep sadness that covers your experience. And your heart may be tender and broken, and you might feel lonely. And no one, no one can understand the experience that you have had, except for your heavenly father. Your creator, God, because God is the perfect father. God created you in your innermost being. You are his craftsmanship, and he delights in you. You make his heart so full that he actually sings songs of love over you. He's personally invested in you and your satisfaction. God actually commands the powers of heaven to come to your rescue and to satisfy you. He's not going to leave you alone. He's always excited to see you. You are never a disappointment. And you're never a distraction. You're his child. I will be your father to you. I will, you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So God is a father that is strong and capable. He's the one with the mighty hand that brought the Israelites out of slavery, out of Egypt, and into the promised land. But also, he's a father that's tender and compassionate. He's a father that cares for our every need, even the smallest detail of our lives. And you might have a hard time understanding God this way because sometimes it's hard to separate our personal experience, our earthly experience, and to not draw on that somehow when we consider God our father. But this is why we have to remind ourselves why the psalmist writes things like this and says, never forget the true character of who God is and who you are. He's a loving father, kind and compassionate, slow to anger, and filled with unfailing love. I've been a mother now for over a year. I've got a little girl, Vivian, she turned one about a month or so ago, and she's delightful. She's exploring the world and learning all sorts of new things, and there's something really magical that happens when you have a child. There's this person that you don't even know, stranger, and all of a sudden they come out and you're like, I'm in love with you. You're the most amazing thing in the world. Now, most other relationships, they take time to build intimacy, right? You get to know the person, they get to know you, you have some shared experience, then intimacy grows over time, but this is not true. It's magical, it just happens. Boom, intimacy, right away. I want her to do well. I want her to thrive in every way. And when she hurts, I hurt. And even when she hurts herself at a time when she's doing something she's not supposed to do, because even at one, she knows, she knows what she's not supposed to be doing, even when she does that, it doesn't matter. I still want to pick her up and comfort her and dry her tears and hold her because I love her. But there's something that's starting to happen in our relationship. She gets a little bit older, and she gets a little bit more independent, more of a mind of her own. What does she do? Oh, wait for it, exactly, wait for it. 
and they start to become their own people. Their human nature starts to come out. And there are moments when her human nature rubs up against my human nature. And that's a little bit uncomfortable. And now all of a sudden, this very beautiful, delightful person, there's a battle of the wills. Now, it's, it's a little low right now because she's, she's small and she's innocent. But I can only imagine what she's going to be like as a teenager because her mom and her dad both have minds of their own. But something crept in that surprised me. A moment where I was watching her and I was frustrated and maybe a little bit worn out because our wills were dancing around each other. And I thought, that's unbecoming. She's unbecoming, which is crazy because she's joy-filled and she's completely delightful and she is full of so much promise. But the reason why it looks that way to me sometimes is because my love is imperfect. My love for her is imperfect. And every earthly parent's love, as unconditional as they are aiming for it to be, is imperfect. But this is not the kind of parent God is, because God himself is not imperfect. The Father's love is perfect. Because God is so fully complete and satisfied inside of himself that he doesn't actually need anything else. He doesn't have holes that he's trying to fill. He isn't taking from anything else to replace an emptiness that exists inside of him. He's full. He's complete. He's perfect. Therefore, he loves out of that perfection. And his love is actually perfect. There's nothing he's lacking or having to make up for. Therefore, he does not have to hold back. 1 John 4, 16, we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. God is love. It's his very nature. It's in his character. And perfect love, it drives out fear. Love and fear cannot coexist together. And the things that destroy love, the things that taint love, the things that we experience when love disappoints, there's a breakdown and often fear is right behind it. Fear of loss, fear of pain, fear of abandonment. Maybe the fear that our needs are not going to be met somehow. And it causes us to do the opposite of love. It causes us to withhold or draw back or maybe even strike out. But God's love, it's not like this because no fear can exist in him. Pure love and fear don't go together. Therefore, his love is trustworthy. He desires to show us his love. He desires to satisfy us with his love. And like the scripture says, his perfect love actually transforms us. 
as we stay in his love longer and we agree with it and know that it's true for us, our love becomes transformed. So there's actually hope for me as a parent that I might not ruin my child. Matthew 7, verse 9 says, What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will instead give him a stone? Crazy. Or if he asks for a fish, will instead give him a snake? If you then, evil, sinful by nature, as you are, know how to give good and advantageous gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, perfect as he is, give what is good and advantageous to those who keep on asking him? Because God is perfect, his love is free and it is satisfying. And I think sometimes we can intellectualize the idea that God loves us, but maybe we think he kind of loves us out of obligation. I mean, he's God, right? Doesn't he kind of have to love us? And I was reminded of a story of when I was younger, I was hanging out with my grandfather and my sister. I have an older sister. She's uh, about three years older than me. And I was super young. And my grandfather liked to take us out on like little lunch dates. And he would take us to these restaurants. And it was like an adventure to him. We'd try new dishes and whatever. And there was one time that we were doing that. We were in like old time, you know, like bench seat kind of a thing. And I'm nestled between the two of them. And I can barely even see over the dashboard. Like I'm tiny. And he says, girls, Grandpa really loves you. Did you know that? Sweet moment. And I'm like, Psh, yeah, Grandpa. I mean, you have to love us. We're your grandchildren. Which in my mind was just this early understanding of unconditional love. It was because I had the position of a grandchild, I was loved. I mean, there was just no two ways about it. But the way that it came out was very much like, you're so obligated to love me. I mean, you're my grandfather. Obligation, right? So he kind of, you know, ridged me for that for a while because he's like, no, I love you because I want to. And he, I mean, he didn't take us out to these restaurants because he had to, but it was his way of showing love. And the same is true for God. He doesn't love us extravagantly because he has to. It's because it pleases him. Ephesians 1 Verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And this is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. We've been adopted into God's family and chosen ahead of time to be holy and without fault. We're sons and daughters of the perfect father. And this position, it's completely secure. It's completely secure because God chose us and we didn't choose him. This was his plan. He had it in mind to love you and me before you were even born. This means that there is no threat to that status. That status cannot be changed. No one can take it away from you. You can't even take it away from you. Your behavior can't take it away from you. It's core to who you are as a follower. You are adopted, chosen, and loved. You are guaranteed the promises, the full inheritance of heaven. And because of this position, you actually have access to all of the benefits of God. And that's good news if we only lived that way knowing we had access to all the benefits of who God is. 
Romans 8:17, the resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children. And, know, and we know that we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ, Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we are certainly going to go through the good times with him. It's because of Christ that we know we get this full inheritance. We are his children and promised it. And we can live with expectation, a confident hope that this inheritance, it's not going to run out. These good things that are coming to us, they're not going to somehow pass over us. They're not going to skip a generation. They are things that are benefits that are ours, that are not going to disappear. And even our circumstances in life, hard though they may be. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, we can have hope, knowing that the hard work was already done. That God is a giver of good gifts. And he's continuing to renew all things, even now, in my life and in yours. So we can sing praise to God in his name, sing loud praises to him who rides with the clouds, because his name is the Lord. Rejoice in his presence, Father to the fatherless, defender of the widows. This is God, whose dwelling is holy, and God places the lonely in families, and he sets the prisoner free and gives them joy. God sets the prisoner free. He gives them joy, and he puts them in a family. And one of the awesome benefits of being a son and daughter of God is that we're brothers and sisters. We get to actually be in a spiritual family. Family is God's idea. In fact, God experiences family even in himself with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is a mutual enjoyment of one another that is a part of the family experience. And then he creates a family in us, his sons and daughters, for that mutual experience to be extended. And I don't know if you have any siblings. I, as I mentioned, have an older sister. And we've learned a lot being sisters from each other. Sisters or siblings of any sort, they know you like no others, right? The good, the bad, the ugly, the time when you're trying to have it all together and when you totally have not at all got it together. And my sister was the one who definitely taught me not to take life too seriously. She always had an adventure to do. She was always trying to get me to like be in some kind of play with her or put on these like epic scenes for our family. She brought out things in me that I didn't even know were there. But also, she was the one who kept it real for me too. She was the one that uh, taught me that, you know, I don't, my way's not always right. <laughs> like, who knew? You know, that there are other people with feelings and that matters and we gotta work this out. We gotta reconcile because she's got feelings, I got feelings, and the, the value of the relationship's too great to pass by it without solving this problem. She's also the one that kept me honest. Notice when I was maybe not telling the full truth or not being real about who I was. She was also the one that always had my back. She was always the one that was willing to step in the gap for me. And that's what family does, right? We support each other. We, we fill in the gaps for one another. We, we encourage one another. We draw things out in one another that maybe we didn't even know were there. That is family. That's the benefit of family. And that's why we're here together as a church even. To experience the family of God in community. Matthew 5, 9 says, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate. 
instead of compete or fight. And that's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. So family is where you discover who you really are. But I love how it says this discovery that you're going to find is by helping other people understand how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. It's not always how you pair things together. Like, I'm going to find out who I am by learning how to reconcile. But in family relationships, that is actually true, right? And that is true of the family of God as well. But I think also, in order for us to live in this cooperation, in order for us to learn to be peacemakers, how to fight and then make up, we have to really understand who God is for us. We have to be so sure about our identity and who he is as our loving father and that every good gift is ours in order for us to extend ourselves in love, in order for us to be able to live in a healthy community. It starts first with our identity of who we are and knowing who Christ is. And then out of that, we can actually live in healthy community. There's actually a lot of verses about this concept called one anothering. If you've been around church long enough, maybe you've heard of it and you're like, one anothering? I don't even know what that means. But that's how it is that we respond to each other, how we are with one another. So there's a couple of verses, lots of verses actually about this in the New Testament, but I have a couple. I'm just going to read a couple to you. I want you to get a picture of what this one anothering could look like. We are to be at peace with one another, to love one another, to be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves, live in harmony with one another, stop passing judgment on one another, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you, instruct one another, have equal concern for each other, serve one another, carry each other's burdens, be patient, bearing with one another in love, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgive each other in humility, consider others better than yourself. Encourage each other, build each other up, spur one another on towards love and good deeds, and pray for one another. When we understand that the Lord is for us, that God is the good father, and that we are his sons and daughters, and that his love for us is perfect, then we start to be transformed, and we start to be able to love with a more perfect love. A love that doesn't require things from other people. A love that is lavishly giving. Because our resource and our fulfillment, we know our inheritance is coming from our Heavenly Father. And it's this understanding when we grow in it and we live in it that allows us to support one another. It allows us to not fight to get in front of one another. It allows us to celebrate ourselves, even in our unique, beautiful differences. It allows us to call out the passions and the skills and the, the destinies in our friends, in our family members. It allows us to consider that the part we play is not as big as the greater whole. What we're a part of is bigger than the part we play. So when your brother in Christ gets a job promotion or a raise, Instead of you, you can celebrate them. Because you know what's coming to you is coming to you in due time. And maybe it's not the same thing, but you better believe it's going to be the right thing and it's going to be the best thing and it's going to be in God's time. 
So if you know that and you live with that truth, then there's no loss to you when good things are happening to your brothers and sisters. You can just say, that's so awesome. When they get married and you've been waiting, you can celebrate that. When they have a baby and you haven't had one, you can celebrate that because you know that God loves you and that he is working to bring good gifts to you. Now, your gifts might look different than your brother's and your sister's gifts, but you better believe they're going to be good. And they are going to be designed by heaven for you. But ultimately, our whole view of ourselves and our view of our brothers and sisters comes down to how we view God. Do we see him as kind and compassionate? Do we see him as a faithful promise keeper? Do we see him as a father that wants to lavish good gifts on you, his child? Do we see him as a father that actually has resources, resources that aren't going to run out? I'm going to go ahead and ask the band to come up here. We're going to spend a little bit of time thinking about some of this stuff. It's not as much of a furnace up here, so. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to consider this. And you can reflect. You can close your eyes. You can look down, do whatever. You can hang out. But this is just between you and the Holy Spirit. Can you look back over your whole life and say, my Father God has always been good to me? And if not, your heart may be hurting and your image of God might need some healing. And if in our conversation today, some things have come up in your heart, I encourage you to do one of two things. We have a prayer team here that would really like to pray with you. But also we have a ministry called Prayer Ministry here at Liberty Church that really helps you process through some of these things. I'd encourage you to sign up for that and take a deeper dive into looking at maybe some of the things that you're wrestling in in your spirit, especially when it comes to God your Father. But when our family members don't understand their roles or are unable to fulfill them for some reason in our lives, we can develop wounds. We can start to be, leave lies and misunderstand God. But when we receive healing, we no longer have to pick up these unhealthy patterns of relationship and pass them on. We can deal with offense or disrespect when they occur, when our needs aren't being met. We can still interact with love. Imagine what your life would look like if you completely trusted God as your loving father. I'm going to ask you some questions, and I want you to spend some time in some healing prayer now. Because that's all it really requires is you and your heart with God. I want you to picture God, the father. How would you describe him? What do you see or believe or hear? What do you feel when you think of God the Father? Ask God, are there any, any lies that I'm believing about you? Maybe from my earthly experiences, 
Are there any lies I'm leaving about who you are, God? And whatever the Holy Spirit is revealing to you, just confess those, God. I confess these to you, Father. I recognize these are lies. 